All right, everybody, big hour coming your way. And joining me right now, the governor of Ohio. I mean, he's got two jobs, one running for president and the other is running Ohio, uh, the definition of a battleground state. Governor Kasich, welcome back to Kill Meet and Friends. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. All right, uh, Governor, first off, on 9-11, a lot of people have their own reflections. All are important. What about you? Were you Congressman Kasich at the time? I was not. Uh, I was actually on a conference call um, early, early in the morning when um, one of my what, my aide came in and said that a plane had hit the building, which was uh, stunning to me. You know, we thought it was an accident and then hurried home to watch on television and just watched everything unfold. So, I mean, just, you know, what can you say, but totally stunning. And, um, uh, you know, I had an office down there uh, in in uh, New York, and uh, it was damaged. Uh, the Lehman Brothers office was damaged. Part of it was shaved off, and I think my office was included in that. And then uh, not long after that, Brian, uh, I went down to Ground Zero to film a uh, a show called Heroes, where we focused on the people uh, who were the first responders. I don't remember exactly how long it was afterward, but uh, still activity going on there. And, um, well, you know, it's completely etched in your mind. And I've been taking both of my twin daughters uh, individually through the, um, the, the 9-11 the museum, which is just remarkable. You know, it's changed America. When you walk around and you talk to people, do you get the sense that it's, it's something that happened yesterday or happened decades ago? Do you get the sense it's so far in a rearview mirror or very much on the surface? No, I think I think it's left a you know profound uh, impact on Americans, and I don't think they feel like it was forever ago. I think uh, you know it's something that uh, it would be like it's like it's our modern Pearl Harbor in a way. You know, it's something that we'll all talk about uh, for the rest of our lives. Talking about today, it's really disturbed personally to find out that there are uh, intelligence agents who are really upset, 50 strong on paper, saying that somebody uh, at, in, uh, in government is doctoring their results of intelligence as it relates to our progress against ISIS. Here's the former Deputy Secretary of the CIA, Mike Morell, on that. So these are analysts at the U.S. Central Command, uh, CENTCOM, um, which is actually conducting our operations in Iraq and Syria. Um, one of the central tenets, one of the key aspects of the policymaking process in the United States is that analysts get to say what they think without any interference, without anybody changing it. So this is a very, very serious charge. I think it needs to be fully investigated. And if there is truth that somebody has been meddling with their analysis, I think, uh, um, I think somebody needs to lose their job over it. And there needs to be full transparency into this because this is so important that analysts actually get to say what they really think. It's unbelievable all these years later we're still having problems get the, getting the right intelligence out to the right people. Well, I, I agree with everything that gentleman said. Uh, I think we need to get to the bottom of it, find out uh, if somebody has been uh, whitewashing the intelligence estimates. Let's see, you know, let's see if that's, in fact, what has happened. Uh, when you uh, look at where we're at today on 9-11, people look about, well, it's Islamic extremists, it's al-Qaeda, it's ISIS, it's al-Nusra, whatever. The bottom line is, as we look at these uh, refugees that are looking to come here, and the president says today we're going to take in uh, uh, thousands. Is it wrong to think, wait a second, 
do we really know who these people are, and shouldn't our security matter first and foremost? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, obviously, we, we don't want to take people in that we don't appropriately screen, but I think we have a responsibility here as well. I mean, the uh, president, I think, is proposing about 10,000. Germany's going to take 800,000. Um, it is fundamentally a European problem, uh, but I think we have a responsibility. And, and you know the inscription there at the Statue of Liberty about give us your tired and your poor and those that want to be free. Uh, so I think we have a responsibility, but we just don't let people just come storming in here. We've got to make sure we know who they are. And there's probably a number of them that would come here who could add uh, great value to the country, surgeons, uh, teachers. I mean, there's a, there, you know, it's just it's a responsibility for, I believe, the Western world and gives us an opportunity uh, to, to, uh, to hopefully become a little bit closer to our European allies. Now, I think in addition to that, we ought to think about the, whether there is some appropriate amount of humanitarian aid and perhaps some logistical support that we can give. But that all being said, I do think that it is uh, it's fundamentally something Europe has to deal with. It's a big challenge for them in terms of assimilation. Uh, but, Brian, I, I don't think we can turn our back, but clearly want to make sure that we know exactly who these right. people are who are coming in. Uh, Governor, you're probably, out of all 17 on the Republican side, you're probably the least, uh, you're probably the least, the one who does not pump out the phrases, does not look for rhetoric, and looks for facts and tries to keep emotion out of it. But if people look at right now the lack of action in Syria and why we have the refugee crisis we're at today, are they wrong to link the two, that the president allowing all this to happen, the revolution to uh, dig in, 275,000 lose their lives over the last, last four and a half years? Is it too much of a leap to say this goes at the president's desk? Well, what I would say, Brian, is we should have been supporting these rebel groups a long time ago. And, uh, and at the same time, you know, the president draws a red line and then he walks away from it, which creates confusion and great uncertainty. And whenever there is a void of U.S. firm action, bad things fill that void in, in many of the cases. And so w what I would say, Brian, is because the United States has not been firm, because we have not led, uh, I think there's profound implications, and I, there's no question that our inability to drive Assad out in the early days by supporting those who were in opposition to him created uh, at least a significant part of this problem. And then you look on the fact that Russia is now moving in. They got these uh, these prefab houses, about a thousand strong. They are ignoring our our inquiries into why they're doing this and what they plan on doing. This seems like Crimea all over again. What does a president Kasich do to stop this? Well, let's first of all determine, Brian, exactly what they're doing. And I think this is because. Uh, I think we've not handled uh, Putin in the right way. Putin is a bully, and we have not been firm with him. Frankly, I, I think our European allies ought to have an emergency session about this. And if, in fact, what it appears to be happening is happening, uh, then in my opinion, we, we've got to uh, we've got to strengthen the sanctions that we have on Russia right now. And I know there are these are a possibility of, of these unraveling. I've seen the French started to talk about. Maybe we should ease the sanctions on Russia in regard to Ukraine. But this should send a very clear message to our friends that uh, you cannot deal with these people uh, unless you are willing to stand up and take a firm position. 
Uh, we're going to have to see how things develop in Syria, but is, of right. course, it's extremely troubling. Place you know quite well, Columbus, Ohio, a place where Hillary Clinton speaking uh, and spoke and was unable. And I understand her location of where she was speaking is right across from Ohio State. Uh, Ed Hendry, our reporter on the scene, pointed out that she was unable to fill the place up. Is that significant? Is that a message? I mean, her her campaign seems to be going backwards, and the people of Ohio don't seem to be responding. Is that what you're hearing as governor of that state? Well, she did come in and uh, and, I, and made a talk and never mentioned me. I I don't really know what she was doing here or what what the uh, what the arena was, but obviously she's trying to reboot her campaign. She's trying to change things and. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, you know, this is a country that's closely divided, and uh, we've got to make sure that we pick somebody, nominate somebody to be president of the United States that can have broader appeal than just our, our simple base. That doesn't mean we walk away from our principles to get that done, uh, but it does mean that we've got to be we've got to pick somebody who has an ability to relate, particularly to those Reagan Democrats who, uh, who we have lost over the last few election cycles. Here's Hillary Clinton, and we know about the email controversy that seems to be getting bigger every day, even alarming Democrats. Here's how she handled it today. Controversy seems to follow me around, in case you haven't noticed. That's sort of part of the territory. So she's kind of joking about the fact that uh, the, the email controversy. Do you, do you think it's still time to kid about this? Well, I think they're trying to figure out how to get it behind them. And uh, the problem is when they started it, they didn't get everything out there. In the be- I mean, I don't understand the whole thing, Brian, what you do have a server in your house. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, in terms of, uh, look, this, she's going to be held accountable for all of this. And uh, But that's later. Now we've, uh, you know, my position is, my, my job is to get out there gotcha. and uh, let people know what I think. But look, she will be formidable, but I will tell you this. She won't beat me. Uh, well, you're the type of candidate, according to her own reports the day you got in, that they seem to fear most. Uh, Governor Kasich, our guest. Governor, something else that really hits home. The Speaker of the House is from Ohio, and we could be looking at a government shutdown again. It's the same old story. You, as a key congressperson, uh, you were part of the government shutdown. I'm not sure it was your idea, but Newt Gingrich kind of led that. It ended up costing him his speakership. What's going on with Speaker Boehner and his effectiveness? You're uniquely qualified to comment about this. Do you blame his uh, fellow Republican uh, House members for being frustrated by him? Well, look, first of all, Newt Gingrich was not taken out of Speaker because we went through a government shutdown. The government shutdown actually worked because it ended up, Brian, at the end of the day, producing the first balanced budget since we walked on the moon. And I was, you know, of course, one of the chief architects of that. A government shutdown will work if you can actually see your way to a successful resolution. Um, look, I mean, he has to, he, it's the, I believe that being Speaker of a House, any house is probably the hardest political job that you can have in our country because you you can only assert yourself so far and at the same time you have to guide people who have different philosophies ideologies and different self-interests so um you know if you're going to get into the business of a shutdown you better make sure that you have the prospects of victory not that you just want to make some point because, in my opinion, the American people will punish if you're playing politics or, or making a point that can't be achieved. You know, if, if you think you can get something done, that's one thing. 
But if you have no prospects of getting something done and you shut the government down, I don't think the voters appreciate it. The general feeling is Republicans get blamed. But here's Josh Earnest uh, today talking about congressional leaders and their invite to the White House almost seems to me to be a dare. Right now, we're going to need to see leaders in Congress accept the invitation from Democrats in Congress to try to negotiate a bipartisan agreement on the budget. If Republican leaders maintain their insistence on trying to pass a budget along party lines, then we are going to be headed for a shutdown. Because it's clear to anybody who's been paying attention over the last several months that they don't have the votes to pass a budget, uh, and that will result in a government shutdown. The administration, and I think the American people, will judge the Republican leaders by their actions. It's one thing for them to say they don't want a government shutdown. It's yet another thing for them to say they won't even talk to Democrats to figure out how to avoid it. Uh, But yet that's exactly what's taking place. It doesn't seem like an administration that's doing everything possible to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, it doesn't sound with that statement that that the administration is willing to be constructive in their negotiations with Republicans. And a big concern for Republicans is the Planned Parenthood funding. And there may be an approach. I'm not in Washington right now, but there may be an approach that they can take where they can make it clear that we do not want to fund this organization any longer, that there are other alternatives uh, but, you know, I don't like that kind of comment out of a, a press secretary at the White House. It's almost a, you know, it's just not the way you can do things in this country. Just dismiss the Congress and, you know, I didn't like any of it, Brian. It is, that, that's just not the way to handle things. Governor Kasich's our guest. Uh, Governor, I mean, this- let me tell you, if he, was my, if he was my spokesman and he said something like that, he'd be in my office and I would tell him, don't you ever talk like that again. It is like he was... I, you know, it's, it's not not good. Not good. Interesting. I don't think they have that conversation. You do get the sense that Josh Ernest is on the same stage uh, as the president, and maybe that's just how the president feels. I imagine so, since we have not heard any reports about that happening. But I want to move on to this election. Well, first and- of all, budgets, first of all, budgets are primarily an ideological battle. Yep. Republicans and Democrats rarely work together to pass a budget. But there's a lot of spending bills in there that where Republicans and Democrats can get together and work things out. And uh, I think that kind of rhetoric only uh, alienates uh, the Republican Party, and it is not helpful to run in this country. Uh, okay, let's move on real quick, and let's talk about what I got up to today, and that's the Rolling Stone article where Donald Trump is talking about one of the other people running for president doing well like you are, and that's Carly Fiorina. Had some uh, relatively demeaning remarks, says, look at her face. Uh, would anyone vote for that? I mean, she's a woman, and I'm not supposed to say that, but it's really, folks, come on, are we serious? That got rebukes from, from Jeb Bush on to Bobby Jindal. What does Governor Kasich feel about that? Because you're going to be on the same stage as Carly Fiorina and Donald Trump in less than a week. Well, I think that that rhetoric is clearly unfortunate. But look, I, I have to talk about what I'm for. I'm I, I'm one of the least known of all the major candidates. And uh, you know, my view is that uh, we need to tell people, we need to recognize the concerns that they have in this country, but also explain to them that, uh, you know, for me, that I have the experience to know how to land the plane. And I think at the end of the day, people want change. Right. They want things fixed. Uh, but I think they, they need, they, I think at the end of the day, they're going to want to say that they want somebody who has the experience who has been able to do those things. Governor, there's a story in Reuters today that says uh, presidential hopeful John Kasich aims to reshape the Republican Party. If so, how? Well, I never read the story, Brian, so it's kind of hard for me to say what they said I was saying. Oh, I mean, really? 
I don't, I don't, this a headline. I mean, look, I'm a conservative. Um, I believe in economic growth. I believe in balanced budgets. I was, you know, chairman of the budget committee in Washington when we balanced the budget. I have defense experience. Uh, I've had success here in the state of Ohio of creating jobs and running surpluses and strengthening our credit. But at the same time, uh, we want to make sure that no one is left behind. And as my mother used to say, it's a sin not to help people who need help, but it's equally a sin to continue to help people who need to learn how to help themselves. And uh, so, look, I've been on the the presidential stage for a short period of time. I'm now running second in New Hampshire, and I'm letting people know about my record and my philosophy. And um, I think what they were saying is if you become president, does the Republican Party reflect who you are? And the answer, of course, would be yes. I just got to bring you up before we wrap. Uh, Newt Gingrich, who guy you're very familiar with, said this about you. Cut six. I think both Fiorina and, and Kasich have huge opportunities. Kasich has run a very smart campaign. He's in second place in, in uh, New Hampshire, which was a deliberate campaign decision on their part. Uh, he's raised a good bit of money. He is the governor of one of the most important states in electoral politics. He is the only sitting governor who has a net positive. He's at about 60 percent approval. And he's probably the most innovative governor in the country. So Kasich could break out presently. Uh, and and that's pretty uh, pretty lofty praise from a guy that also has praised other people. Uh, well, just you know, what Brian, he, he, said it, he, he said it just the way I told him to. <laughs> it's, it is if he's reading up a press release, but that's just not it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you feel the same way? Do you feel like you're on course? Is this how you mapped it out a month ago or when you decided to get in here? Well, look, I mean, everybody wants to ask, talk about, you know, how's a presidential campaign? How's it different? This and that. And the bottom line is I'm running this just like I run every other campaign in my life. Get out, tell people what you think, you let them get the measure of you, and then they decide whether they like you or not. And if they like you, great. If they don't like you, you move on to the next person and you tell them who you are. So, uh, you know, we don't map anything out other than getting out there, raising money, and, uh, uh, and making sure that uh, we're, I'm all the places where I need to be. Which you're I'd like to be cloned, but I'm, I think a lot of people would be live in fear of another John Kasich walking around. So, <laughs> uh, that w- that I actually would be heartened by the fact because you do have uh, no one would argue with the resume you bring to the table. And finally, the debate prep. You've done a lot of things, but being on the stage with 17 people, the second debate. What's your approach? When did the prep start? Well, I really haven't done a whole lot of debate prep. I mean, we've we you know talk about issues over time. Um, you know, we'll do a little bit of thinking about it. But, you know, I mean, when you do town hall meetings, I've done 15 or 16 of them in New Hampshire. I've done every major talk show and television show over and over and over again. It's, uh, you know, you, you, what you're concerned about is do you get a gotcha question, something that, you know, just you just didn't think about. Somebody throws a knuckleball, you know, and you, and you kind of whiff at it. But, you know, if that happens, it happens. Life's going to go on one way or the other. And the key is... Uh, Brian, and, you know, just like when you do your, your great show, whether the radio show or the television show, enjoy yourself, have fun, and count your blessings. Right, and the Republicans are counting their blessings that they have a popular governor in a key state like Ohio. Uh, governor John Kasich, thanks so much for your quality time. Best of luck next week in the debate and uh, on 9 11. Time you. to reflect. And, thank and you. I look forward to really seeing you soon. God All bless. Right. Thank you very All much. Right. Governor John Kasich.